Schofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. There we go, Vegas and Reno. Schofield and Company, we're live here at the Thomas and Mackin and ready for a UNLV basketball game. Willie's here, Ari's back in our makeshift Finley Toyota Studios. Let's do it, Big Four. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at Four. Number four. You know, we got a really big developing story that came out just a couple days ago, uh, and it's part of the sports fabric in this country over the last, say, 40 years. Regional sports networks are in real trouble. So, as an example, AT&T Sportsnet, what will happen with VGK and where they're run, but even places like New York and MSG, and I don't know if you saw it, but Madison Square Garden Network just, uh, well, the news was reported, um, MSG Plus will launch this summer as a direct-to-consumer option to watch the Knicks, the Rangers, Devils, Sabres, Islanders. It'll be a $30 monthly subscription option, annual $310, or you can watch individual games for $10 a piece. Now, that's New York, so maybe they can get away with those prices. But what the hell is going to happen in all these markets? Are there just going to be new regional sports networks to replace the ones that are going bye-bye? And what happens to us here in Vegas? Is this a terrible negative? where it's going to be pay-per-view for every night's game? Or do we get a mega channel that will cover the Knights, UNLV, the Raiders, and everything else in the market where there will actually be like a bunch of content and it's not just going to be some hockey games for a price? What do you think is going to happen? Well, look at the teams you're talking about. First of all, there's NBA and NHL only. There's no NFL. They're, they're not, they cannot take that from the NFL. That's a... Well, it's not, it's not taking it, but MSG and, say, SNY, I don't even know what exists in New York anymore. I understand. So, say, but so say, yes, they all... Co- I'm, I'm just saying covering that stuff. Like, right. there's enough coverage with, you know, to, to follow the other sports with programming and shows and news desks that you could also have VGK Hockey on there and whatever else in the future, and you could actually make a channel where people would be willing to pay Monthly for it. I don't know if they will, though, because, I mean, people people as it is, there are locals that that will tweet to the B-Riders and they're crying over the, what, six ESPN Plus games a year because they don't have ESPN Plus. And they're clamoring that, that they can't watch those games. So I, I, I can't imagine. I mean, it'll, it'll certainly cause way, an uproar. That is a great touche. This is not a market that is accustomed to going out of its way to pay for stuff. Right. And you see how hard it is for if you're not one of the bigwigs – how hard it is to get people to come out to games. Are, are people going to go in their pockets to pay for a regional sports channel like, you know, a la carte? Because it, it is sort of a la carte now, but it's, you know, it's folded in enough stuff, uh, AT&T Sportsnet, that it feels like it's affordable. I do a, think, a $30 a month standalone or $310 for the year? I do think that wow. if you package enough together, I just don't know how many people are interested. Like, UNLV boosting it. I'm not sure if you if you're guaranteeing every single UNLV game, basketball, like now the Lady Rebels, football, the Aces, Golden Knights. You you can't do the Raiders because, like I said, that's going to be on regular, you know, Fox or CBS or then the, the you, you can't you can't package the NFL in there. Just like their MSG Plus is not packaging. I mean, they're getting Buffalo. That's not New York. Right, but, but, but the, what they didn't put in there is you're, you're getting news desks and you're getting talk shows that are in there who cover those other teams, who cover the Jets and Giants. No, I get that part, but you you didn't bring up that part. You bring, you bring about broadcasting those games. I was just saying that yes, you're gonna get you're gonna get NFL news and you're gonna get all that stuff. You're gonna get a you know a Raiders hour, so on and so forth. But I was just talking about the games themselves, as far as people wanting to pay to watch their teams. 
Um, well, I'd watch. Now I don't. I'd watch Raider Nation radio shows live on that channel. How much would you pay? How much could Vegas charge? How come? What would it be called? The Vegas Sports Network. I don't know. Okay, so whatever it would. I be don't called. know what it would be called. But v- yeah. MSG be the Plus is VSN Plus, whatever. Right. Okay. What's the mar- What's the price? Nineteen ninety five a month. Maybe twenty bucks a month. I think that that's all you could go. Oh, that's all you could go. Realistically, you can't go more than that. Number three. What a weird deal. There's got to be more to the story with a Taylor Luan who got cut by the Titans, and then he sends out a picture that the Titans stopped by and just threw all of his stuff on his front stoop. Come on, that is that real? Well, it's. I mean, he put it out there. It, I. It just seems like a bold move. Like, it almost seems like something like, yeah, just drop it off. And then he took a picture and said, you know, because look at how he put it. Look at look at the, look at the tweet that he put. Shout out to the Titans dropping my stuff off today. They even let me keep the shoulder pads. Like we don't know if he's told them, "Hey, can you drop my stuff off? Can you just send it? Hey, we got all your stuff here at the facility. How long? How far away does he live from their facility? So we don't know the whole story. It just it makes for a good click. I just found it <coughs> interesting. That's why I sent it over. But uh, can you imagine if if there's something behind that? Like, yeah, here we just yeah. Just dump your stuff. Trash. (laughs) Screw you, Luan. Number two. Busy, busy weekend around the Valley. Uh, Choices of covering the Golden Knights, bunch of basketball, UFC, NASCAR. You could go to the uh, Ursae collection and cover that. You can cover some, some tennis. That's actually on Sunday. But Saturday choices of all those things I just named, what are you covering on Saturday, Willie? XFL. I'm going to the Vipers-Seattle game. Wait, what? Really? Yeah. Good. That's awesome. We love the XFL. I was originally scheduled to cover the UFC match. John Jones. Um, Adam's already put the fear into me about covering UFC at all. Why? He said something about where press conferences don't go to the end. Sometimes it's at 2 a.m. Yeah, it'll be late. Well, less work, more money to go cover an XFL game as a freelancer than to go cover UFC. So guess what? I made the executive call. And um, How much do we read into the XFL ratings coming out and having a 50% drop from week one to week two? I think you have to read into it because it's 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 a it's a very quick decline immediately. And I think that that's it's it's a show that people may be more interested in the damn combine than they are the XFL. They, you know, I, I asked several people, bookmakers, um, after week one, what the action was like. Minimal at best, without a fan base, there's just not a lot of interest. It goes to show you just in general, like, you know, betting interest. I mean, if let's put it this way. If there was an established fan base with these teams and there was betting, there'd be a lot of television watching. Um, I have to wonder, like, you know, the pregame shows, they're talking about XFL, the coverage, and they're hyping up the commercials. But, you know, we, we have XFL coverage on this show. We have, you know, you bring it on coaches or, or players, whatever it is. You guys had Brett Hundley on uh, Monday. Gonna We're going to have Martavis Bryant. Bryant. Yep, so, but on a national level, I listen to the national shows early in the morning when I'm up at 3. No, nah, they're not going to cover it. They it's it's going to be a regional deal. They don't have deal. a long-standing yeah. conversation. Now, uh, I will say Harry Douglas, who I who I caught up with on the sidelines this past week, um, you know, he'll talk about it during his show, but there's just not enough coverage, per se, during the week. And maybe with the betting lines and the total, I don't know if that would help, but I do think that it's alarming that in week two, they the headline dropped sharply. 
number one. So day one of spring practice for UNLV, and one of the big topics was, of course, Ryan Keeler, a Rebel football player, passing away. A report came out last night in multiple publications, locally about the police report that uh, Ryan Keeler was found unresponsive um, on the 20th. There was an empty prescription bottle there, and uh, some of the local media, including Mike Gramala, were asking about Keeler and you know uh, Barry Odom's reaction to the reports, the initial reports here about Keeler's death. The police report that came out yesterday said that um, Brian Keeler had been feeling sick for seven days um, before his death, at least. Um, when were you made aware that he was ill or sick? Yeah, unfortunately, I can't. You know, I can't make comment on that uh, just because of the the ongoing uh, research and investigation with that. So. I've, I'm sorry that I can't, but um, it would be unfair for me to uh, make a comment on that. The report also mentioned a prescription bottle found next to Keeler. Um, what's your comment on that? And also, have you had any conversations with the team about that? I can't uh, comment on, on, on that report. Uh, our, our team has had daily conversations, and that will continue on um, you know, our team together, how we focus on each other, but also how we focus on celebrating and, and honoring Ryan and, and uh, his time that we had together. Speaking generally, are there protocols in place for a player to report if he's feeling ill or under the weather and possibly scale down his workload or help him recuperate? Well, I think there's all there's protocols within um, you know every organization, I would say, and um, but again, specific case scenario and comments on this I'm not allowed to speak on. Does your training staff have the authority to step in and maybe sit a player down or hold them on to maybe protect them from himself? Yeah, again, I absolutely, but the, the comments I can't, you know, this, I can't comment on it. I'm, I'm sure sorry that I can't, but I'm, I'm not allowed at this point. What is the conversation about trying to honor him in the upcoming season or here moving forward? Yeah, I think, you know, there'll be specific conversations. Some of those I want to keep between our team. Um, but also, you know, Ryan had such an impact and, and, you know, we started on January 17th, you know, the amount of time that we had together, um, you know, the things that, that uh, his friendships with our team, um, you know, the, the way that um, he was a leader within our program and the things that he did um, to, to be a great teammate, to be a great friend and, um, you know, we, we had a vigil a couple of nights ago and an emotional time for our team. And there's ways that together we're going to focus on what that looks like internally. And, and then there'll be some things that, that are seen uh, on the outside that the ways that, that we can honor him. Is there anyone on the training staff or the medical staff that could um, write a prescription or would a player have to go to an outside um, doctor. I can't, I can't comment on that. Um, you know, the, the way that our sports medicine uh, department at on campus is tied together, they would need to answer that question. The first practice, but how, how for being a coach, how is it trying to keep the spirits high? Because obviously the players are getting out there and so there is something missing. Yeah, I think the communication is the biggest piece and the, the opportunity to, to be open and uh, communicate with each other and lean on each other. Um, I think the structured time that we've been able to have together has been the best thing for us. Um, and I'm excited about the leadership and how 
the team has been active in what we're doing day to day and they've been awesome for me. So there you go. About three and a half comment or three and a half minutes of comments, questions about Ryan Keeler. The investigation's still going on. So that's where Barry Odom's talking about not being able to comment on it. Um, stories came out last night based on the police report. You read it, right? Mm-hmm. So I I get both sides. I, I that was the I know the reporter that was asking the questions and I know, and I understand Barry Odom's you know, you, you can't. It, it, when there's a police investigation at that point, he can't because even just answering one question, he's now on the record. And so it's it's not a favorable situation. It's not something you want to see or hear. Um, there are legitimate questions and, and things that need to be answered at some point. But um, all in all, what we do know is the young man lost his life at a very young age and shouldn't have. And we need answers. And once those answers come out, I, I, I can't even say let's hope for this because there is no best. There is no hope for any kind of positive, you know, outcome. What are we going to do? Hope that UNLV is clear. I mean, it, it, let's not forget someone lost his life. So regard, that's the story. It's, it's, it's at this point. And, and I think that's what should be the focal, focal point. I get we need answers, but right now. If you want to hear that uh, again, listen to it again. It's up at ESPN Las Vegas on Twitter. Also, the rest of the press conference kind of separated all the football questions. That's up on my account at Steve Cofield. It's the Battleborn Sports Hour brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Call from anywhere in the state, 766-1400. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Rolling towards the halfway point of the show. Got a basketball game tonight. Big week in the Mountain West Conference. There's been a bunch of upsets that have changed the uh, picture going to the uh, conference tournaments next week. And we wanted to talk some Nevada basketball, both on the men's and women's side. And from Nevada Sportsnet, Shannon Kelly is in with Cofield and Willie. How are you? Hey, guys. I'm doing pretty good. Doing good. Thanks for having me on. I'm bearing the snow up here in Reno. Yeah, we're, uh, we're wimps down here. It was 41 this morning, and up in the hills it was a little colder. It was snowing and raining sideways, and we were freezing. So uh, we, f- we feel for you guys. We feel for you guys. All right, so uh, let's go back to last night and uh, tell us about what unfolded with the, uh, the Pack and the Lady Rebels because it was a pretty dramatic game, and obviously there was a lot on the line, an unbeaten season for UNLV. Yeah, definitely a lot on the line. I mean, you could tell, you know, UNLV wasn't at their best Last night from when I had saw them play down, you know, at the end of January when they played Nevada there, I could tell they were playing a little bit quicker. They looked a little sluggish last night, but really rallied there in the fourth quarter to outscore uh, Nevada there 22 to 10 to come away with the win. But uh, the Wolfpack, I think that was the most complete game that I've seen them play all season. Coach, head coach Amanda Levins alluded to that after as well. They've had trouble putting together four quarters of ball, but uh, certainly there was a lot at, at stake for that perfect season, uh, but I think that just shows how good this Lady Rebels team is to be able to rally like that in the fourth quarter to come away with the win. So now Nevada faces Fresno State in the opening round. It's not till Sunday, but the winner gets top-seeded UNLV. How does last night, you know this squad better, um, than any of us, uh, the resiliency in coming off a loss like that, a um, bit disappointing considering it was UNLV, but being able to bounce back in a tough game against the number nine seed. 
I think it gives them a lot of hope and, you know, they should be, you know, proud of themselves. I think they put themselves in, honestly, the best position, really, because they faced the best team in the conference heading into the tournament. They should have some momentum now. I mean, they've dropped their last six games in a row, and while it hasn't been tough, or it hasn't been tough for them, I think, you know, this is the first game that it seemed like there was they were doing better together, playing more cohesive basketball. They won the rebounding battle. Um, that's just not something that they've been able to do this year. You know, they weren't able to get to the free, free throw line maybe as much as they would have liked to, and that was one of them out of strengths last year. But uh, I think it should give them some confidence, no doubt, that they can go toe-to-toe with anybody in the conference. On the men's side, um, right now, I mean, Nevada's sitting – third in the conference if it were to if the season were to be over today I think it's somewhat in a disadvantageous situation because it has to play the winner of what would be New Mexico Wyoming assuming New Mexico win I I think New Mexico is much better than a six Um, you look at you look at its effective field goal percentage you look at its offensive rating Um, it's a tough draw what's uh, Nevada's mindset going in closing out this regular season and going into the tournament well, I think, you know, after that loss at Wyoming, I, I mean, they got to flush that one quickly because that was, you know, the, the writing was on the wall for them to try and, you know, come away with a road victory there, but uh, faltered. But as you said, New Mexico, I think, is a very dangerous team. Nevada went toe-to-toe with them. Um, a lot of teams have gone toe-to-toe with New Mexico. We've seen San Diego State. We saw that game the other night. Boise State. I mean, it's just how good this league is this year, I don't think that really shows because I think New Mexico is better than a six seed. So I think now Nevada has to, you know, they have to take care of business at home first before they can truly think about the tournament and what better way to end the season. No no pressure, I guess, to try and go undefeated at home, something that hasn't been done for the first time in a couple seasons um, against your in-state rival. What has been the reaction locally in terms of uh... – attendance and hype for this because i i've been saying for at least six weeks that offered was the coach of the year patino's team kind of fell apart is the energy at you know sky high it's certainly not going to get back to a must level for a while but where is it now that's a great question i think you know it's not at must level but i would say it's maybe a halfway there if that's fair to say because this right. is really the first true year of coach alford's players and they've had a successful year i mean that first year after he was hired a lot of those guys on the team still coach Muss's players a lot of buzz and excitement from the coach Muss era but now this is truly coach alford's team and i think there's still a lot of buzz and excitement i was shocked honestly to see that last friday night before the fresno state game that this game was a sellout i mean i this is the first ever sellout under head coach steve alford so i think there is still a lot of buzz and, and excitement there and you know yeah, that loss at Wyoming stings for Wolfpack fans, but I think all in all you have to be happy, and the team's played really well at home, so why not come out if you're a fan to support in the final regular season game? Yeah, they're going to be max fired up for this one on Saturday. It's a 2 o'clock start at Lawler as UNLV's in town to take on Nevada, and you know if anything is going to serve as a wake-up call, it's the Wyoming game. And I also think the Wyoming game serves as a wake-up call to the rest of the conference that – Anyone who thinks, you know, this is going to just roll with the final, you know, the top four teams in the conference making the, the Friday semifinals, um, wake up because at the bottom of the conference, even a team like Wyoming, if they get hot from three, even with like seven players, six players, really no one's safe in this conference in the tournament. 
no, nobody safe at all. I mean, Hunter Maldonado was on fire there in that game, and if he plays anything like that in the tournament, teams are going to have a really big problem. I mean, granted, they've had, you know, issues over the year or over the season. Um, you know, they've lost some players, injuries along the way, but I think if anything, that, that game just showed exactly like you said, that nobody's going to run the table at all. Nobody, regardless of who you are. And, I mean, I think at this point, the only team we really know that's in the NCAA tournament is San Diego State. Have you had a chance to talk to Will Baker about his run of late? I mean, he had a monster game against Utah State with 25, but uh, essentially he's around, what, 16 points a game and probably seven rebounds over the uh, last eight games. And you remember before those eight games, he came here, he played 19 minutes, he had two points, and it's going back three games. He actually has not played well against UNLV, which is weird because generally UNLV has been a pretty small team. Have you talked to him about – you know, getting his confidence back and, you know, what's happened in terms of some inconsistency in some of the other games? No, I haven't. Uh, We talked to them after the game against San Jose State at home last week, but in regards to that specifically after these past two road games, I haven't talked to him. But um, I think, you know, he did say after the San Jose State game, though, like he, you know, relies on his teammates. Like, you know, it's just, Unlike anything, was obviously what he did at the Utah State game. That was pretty remarkable, a personal like twenty-two to four run that he had there. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Um, but specifically to how he's been playing on the road, I haven't, and I was a little surprised too. I mean, UNLV held him to just two points in that game down there at the Thomas and Mac last month. I mean, he couldn't he couldn't get anything going at all against the Rebels last yeah, time he, out. He uh, he couldn't catch the ball deep, and in that game, uh, Vicky Waco did a good job defensively, even though he's smaller by. You know, able to push him to the basket and get him to face the basket more. I think the other fascinating guy going into the matchup, and again, UNLV is going to take on Nevada, and Shannon Kelly's with us as uh, she works for Nevada Sportsnet. Um, the other, the other guy who should be really fired up for this game, and he had a good game one with 13 points and four rebounds. Is it's got to stick in the back of Darian Williams' mind that you know he played here at Bishop Gorman. He wasn't truly a hometown guy because he came in from Sacramento, but still, um, he didn't get a lot of looks from UNLV. He lands at Nevada, and now he's probably going to turn out to be certainly going to be all freshman team in the Mountain West, and he, he could be the freshman of the year for the conference. He's won, I think, freshman of the week at least, what, five times? Five times, yeah. This past week was his fifth one, which is pretty crazy to yeah. think that. I mean, he's got to have um, max motivation, he, I, and I love his game. Yeah, I do too. I mean, he I, – I know Coach Alford keeps saying it to us, but, I mean, he really looks nothing like a freshman out there at all. Just to see the level of – playing and the level the difference that he's at versus some of the other freshmen in the league I mean he's one of the best rebounders in the conference and he's just a freshman I mean he's just like an animal out there when he goes and grabs those defensive rebounds it's like who is this kid I mean this kid coming out of nowhere um you know it was kind of funny though during the UNLV game after an and one and he turned to his bench and he said this is my city I thought that was pretty funny uh He said, this is my city, which I thought was, was pretty funny. I mean, props to him, you know. I guess he could call himself from Vegas, even though he claims Sacramento too, right? <laughs> I was going to say, not funny to the people here in Las Vegas when a, when a pack player is coming in and saying, uh, here's my city. Now, here's, here's the situation, though. Let, let's set it up again uh, for the game on Saturday. Two o'clock start um, right here on ESPN Las Vegas and one thirty with Running Rebel warm-up. And Shannon Kelly's helping us preview the game as uh, Nevada is hosting the Rebels. There, there is some risk here for the pack down the stretch. Coming off a loss against the worst team in the conference, 
if they lost on the home floor to what has turned out to be, you know, less than stellar by the numbers UNLV team, and then they were bounced in the first round of the Mountain West Conference Tournament, we might have some issues here. They're, right now they're the last four buys in bracketology, and they're sitting with a seed of, what are they now, 10 or 11? Because I know there were nine before mm-hmm. the loss. Right now they're sitting with a seed of 11. There is some pressure to get this this game done on they they really need to win this game to avoid a real pressure situation next week yeah certainly i mean there's really no room for error the margin of error was pretty thin before but i mean it's on almost a tightrope at this point and i think i think this is where this team will be tested this will be the most adversity honestly that they've really faced all season i think heading into the year there was no pressure this was a team that was picked to finish ninth in the conference preseason poll and they turned around those expectations and shown teams what they're capable of doing. Um, you know, following a loss, they're undefeated this season. Can they keep that going? Um, but I think it's really interesting to see how much better they just play at home versus on the road. Um, obviously, you get, you know, your home crowd, which is the sixth man, but there's not much room for error at all. Uh, and that's why I think they really just they have to take things one game at a time, and that starts on Saturday. I assume we're going to see you down here for the tournament, right? I'll be down there. I'll there be down go. there starting with the women's game. All right, Shannon, we'll see you soon. Thanks for the spot today. We'll uh, talk to you in a couple of days. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. So I'll take it behind the curtain. Willie, coming into the Thomas and Mack, a little bit of traffic. You hustled up the stairs. Pretty good with the gas tank. You weren't breathing like a horse. It takes me like 10 minutes to recover from coming up the stairs here at the arena. The question is the knee that you got surgery on, and uh, where are you now in terms of strength? Can you now uh, once again, like, squat a car? Where are you? Um, what are those little ones that Mark Davis used to drive? Uh, well, I was going to go way back and say, like, can you squat a Yugo or a Ford Fiesta? The one that Mark had is smaller than that, Mini Cooper. Yes. Yeah, they're tiny. Um, it's actually pretty good because what I did was after the NFL season cl- finished up, I voluntarily went back to PT and paid an hourly rate for a CAT, so a certified athletic trainer, one that works with pro teams or college teams, one uh, twice a week, one doing a PT workout, a rigorous PT workout, one doing – heavy, heavy leg day, and then getting treatment once a day. So it was almost like getting an athletic treatment, right, um, twice a week. And I did that for four weeks, and then uh, the last few I've been on my own in the gym. And so, yeah, I, uh, I, I've been squatting. No, no sleeves, no straps, no nothing, just uh, a big, heavy belt. And then um, surprised myself and put myself on pole day and – been deadlifting and i hate deadlifting but there's a new platform at one of the gyms way out by my house if i can't get over to our gym and i um pulled 365 the other day nice very nice which is uh, my my all-time max is 405 wow you're getting close but uh, you and you're getting older but on a regular basis it was 315 so to yank 365 yesterday was pretty good and then um like i said to 
to be able to squat, because squat, like, I figured I could get in there. I didn't get the depth I wanted, but I figured I could get in there and get two and a quarter. But all I put on was my lifting belt. I did it with no, again, no sleeves, no straps, nothing around, nothing supporting the knee. And it feels pretty good. You sent me a story about an OnlyFans model getting banned from her gym because she was taking pictures for her site at the gym. That wasn't a gym you go to. No. Okay. I, ju- I happen to see this. I'm assuming it popped up on my Explore page simply because I Google and, and pull up fitness stuff. Yes. But I saw it, and I'm thinking, okay, I read the headline, right? It said, Jim bans OnlyFans model after catching her taking photos in changing rooms. So I'm thinking, okay, well, first of all, what gym has a changing room? So is it like a – was it – was it a, a locker room? Was it like a changing room would suggest that it's a private room that she's in? How would you know what she's doing? That well, because she posted it. But here's the thing: so they see the background. Well, that's her business. What is it? Well, here's the thing. Guess what? She was in. She. It was the same thing as me posting the video of me pulling 365. She was in her gym outfit. Oh wow! Not even. They not ju- even nude. Yeah. They just didn't like the connotation that an OnlyFans model is at their gym. So she was promoting her workout in clothed, right? Fully clothed on social media, but she's an OnlyFans model. So the idea, I guess, is that, well, we have OnlyFans models coming in and taking pictures and posting it, to, and then on that social media platform, because when you go to Instagram, a lot of these models, it'll have their link tree, and you click it, and then it pulls up, and then you go to their exclusive site, so you can go uh, to their OnlyFans. You, so you because know a lot about this, huh? Sure. Because they're, so you, I mean, enough, though. Enough already with this. This is ridiculous. There was a, a privacy. There was a teacher that got fired. A couple it, weeks it's back. It's obscene. It's dumb. Yeah. Just leave them Let alone. Let people make money. Mountain West Conference Tournament is coming to town next week, March 5th to the 11th. Let's give away a pair of tickets right now, 364-1100, caller 7. You can get the tickets at unlvtickets.com. We've got session 6, which is next Thursday, 364-1100. Ari's got your tickets. Caller number 7 again, Mountain West Conference Tournament in town at the Thomas & Mac right here in Vegas starting in just a couple of days, March 5th to the 11th. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Just today on the coaching staff. Willie's here. It's Cofield, Thomas and Mack getting ready for Brennan Rebel Senior Night. Going against Utah State and little Stevie Ashworth, who's a real pain in the you-know-what, to try and cover and shut down from three. Paul Gutierrez is often our Raiders guy. He is ESPN.com's Raiders guy. Paul, how you doing? Good. What's going on, fellas? A whole lot. A whole lot. I know it's uh, real busy around the Raiders right now and uh, lots of stuff to talk about with Derek Carr, but uh, were there some developments today with a new defensive line coach? Yeah, yeah. I, I saw that. Uh, actually, I was just trying to get confirmation on that, but it looks like it's all uh, a gun deal as far as bringing in a new defensive line coach from, from the Baltimore Ravens. Um, his name is kind of escaping me at the moment, but uh, yeah, you know, Again, just a new philosophy for for what is primarily the strength of the defense, anyways. The, the pass rush with Max Crosby and when Chandler Jones is is, is going well, he's going well. So uh, a good uh, update, so to speak, in terms of filling out the rest of that coaching staff. Uh, real quick, what, to your knowledge, well, I'm not going to say was wrong, but what happened with uh, the old defensive line coach uh, Frank Oakham? Yeah, you know, it's not not so much what went wrong; it's so much just 
you know, it, it kind of goes along the lines of, of with Derek Carr. It's just like, you know, if, if you're not getting the, the the results that you think, there's got to be a fall guy, a fall person, so to speak. So, yeah, Max Crosby uh, probably should have been a second-team All-Pro um, and wasn't, and maybe should have got a little bit more out of Chandler Jones. But when you look at that defense, unless they're going to fire the, the coordinator, somebody else has got to go. So that's the next most high-profile position on that defensive staff defensive line coach with that group. So it just kind of comes down to that. And Rob Leonard, Harbaugh, John Harbaugh was talking about Rob, Rob Leonard. Leonard today. Rob Leonard is the new defensive line coach. Can I take us off on a tangent here real quick? Because uh, I, I tried to throw this out to Willie, and Willie was like, well, I don't really know all the all the business of what's going on. There are two Raiders weddings this weekend, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got Max Crosby getting hitched, and uh, uh, Darren Waller and Kelsey Plum in a, a very royal Las Vegas athletic sports wedding this, this weekend, too. So, interesting. I mean, you know, it's, it's the city of, of uh, chapels, wedding chapels anyway. So, just wondering uh, if Elvis is going to marry either of them. Well, it, 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 let me just interject. I mean, can we – can we just because they're the two big names, Darren Waller Kelsey Plum, if you're, if you're going to name all three, let's at least give Rachel Washburn her just due. She's also getting married this weekend. Two Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, yes, no doubt. And, again, I had to look up Rob Leonard, but I'll look her name up as well, too. So. <laughs> That's why you're well, there. Willie told us, Willie. Willie told us, yeah, he he told us an hour ago. He's, you got me today. Yeah, he's like, give her props. He's like, uh, you know, I follow her on what, Instagram? We follow one another. There, oh, you have a follow back? <laughs> yeah. Here we go. All right. All right. <laughs> That's what Willie's here for, although he, he chastised me for bringing up the topic earlier because I, I tried to roll out the topic. I was like, Hey, if you're you know if you're a member of the Raiders and you're planning on going to Max Crosby's wedding, all of a sudden we got like a shotgun wedding here. Like, what wedding am I going to go to? Yeah, I mean, well, you got to get invited, right? Don't you have to be invited? Maybe that's... maybe nobody's invited. I don't know. Maybe Willie's invited to both. Maybe Willie's yeah. got to make a choice. Here. <laughs> he said he's not. I think okay. he's I think he's fibbing. No, you don't I... want to hurt one side or the other, Willie. I'll be at the XFL game covering the Vipers in Seattle. I'm I'm all in for that. Um, I, I, you know what? I feel as if I feel as if I've already wished done my well wishing. I, I saw Kelsey and Darren last week, and I texted with Darren today, and all is well. I'll text Max after the, his win just to congratulate him or leading up to it, and and that's that's good enough. I, I have money to make. These guys are millionaires, and so are all of their guests. The question, the biggest question is, whose do you attend, and what? And the big question Steve wanted to know is why. Are they on the same day? Is that going to cause a problem? Yeah, that, that's a, that's a tough one. I, I want to know who the DJ is, and I want to know if DJ if DJ Willie G was hired, which, which whichever wedding he was. You, DJing, you should know better. You you should know better because DJ Willie G has never ever been somebody who would be who would be the DJ Paul. DJ Willie Will, my bad. DJ Willie Will. Yeah, he's like my bad. So you just tweeted out. You just tweeted out. The Raiders finished number three in a new NFLPA survey to determine, in essence, how teams treat players. Third best, yes. huh? Third best, yeah. And, and a lot of that came down to the facilities, which is interesting because as we get ready to start free agent season, this is something that they can roll out and tell teams, "Hey, look, look at what we got going on here." Um, you know, you, you dive into the story and you look at that, what they were all ranked under and things like that, the, the report card, so to speak. Um, for the Raiders, I mean, their lowest grade was in how they treat families. And I wonder who, who would have voted that uh, for treating a family badly. <laughs> so it's just it's an interesting thing. It's just another kind of feather in the cap of the Raiders that, um, 
I don't know where they would have uh, graded out in Oakland but with the facilities, uh, but that was a huge, huge piece of, the, of this year. They got A-pluses in locker room, A-plus team travel, A-plus strength coaches with your guy Deuce Gruden, A-plus in the weight room, A-minus for food and service and nutrition, and A for the training room. The lowest grade was a B in treatment of family. Hey, just by the way, you know who else voted for the Raiders facilities was the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they, they took their feet off the desk long enough. To, to Hospitality yeah, and facilities, the Patriots voted for the silver and black. Is, is the president of the, uh, the, the Raiders chapter of PFWA um, with, alongside Willie in voting for the Raiders PR team this year for that off-field award that, uh, that honors the, the best PR team? I, I yeah I, I will uh, I will be casting my lot with the uh, the Raiders for a Roselle Award consideration no doubt they've they've had to deal with a lot of things over the years and yeah and uh, you know there's a lot of t- things that we kind of take for granted um, but then when you hear the horror stories of what other reporters beat writers on other teams have to deal with and you know yeah they they, they deserve to mention no doubt and there's a very fine line there that, that sometimes gets blurred but no they they're professional Will Kiss and his staff have really stepped up over the past few years in, in helping uh, facilitate media relations, I'll put it that way. Table seat assignments uh, lead the charge. Speaking with Paul Gutierrez from ESPN, Raiders beat writer, long time uh, from the Bay Area. So, Paul, who's coming to quarterback the Raiders, or who should? Uh, gosh, there's so many. There's, there's three distinct paths they can take here. Um, one is obviously try to make the big splash, and that would be trading for Aaron Rodgers, uh, a mini, mini, bigger, mini, biggie splash. Biggie, Biggie Splash would be uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, and then you, you, you draft somebody, that would be kind of a splash. And, and probably the least sexy move, but maybe the most sensible, would be just re-sign up with Stidham. Uh, he showed what he can do. He won that locker room over with that, that touchdown pass to Devontae against the 49ers. And, um, you know, he, he's shown that he's known the offense. And, and Dave Ziggler talked about that yesterday, that, that that's, that's something, there's value in that, that he knows the offense already. Uh, so you re-sign him, and then you take a, a second-rounder on Henning Hooker, a third-rounder on Jake Hayner from Fresno State, somebody like that, and then you just roll forward. Now, does that make everybody on the roster happy? Does Devontae Adams get on board with that? You have to find out. And, and Devontae doesn't necessarily have a say, but he's definitely going to be uh, included in the conversation as to which direction they go going forward. And, and Dave Ziegler said as much as that at the Combine yesterday. If they make that big splash, they have to trade somebody, and included in that trade has to be obviously a viable name. And I would imagine, considering the price tag that he's going to bring along with next season, Josh Jacobs is. The, I don't want to see him go, and and I'd hate to see him go. Um, I think that we've all become fond of him. Heck, we voted for him um, as far as the media personality, right? That we, yeah. yeah um, but I think that he's the most viable target to send out based on running back salaries. Yeah, and, and, and look at you just trying not to break up the, the happy marriage that's coming this weekend. Darren <laughs> Waller's been, it's always been linked to the Packers anyways. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think you could get, if they wanted to go that route, I, I believe they could get Aaron Rodgers simply with a bevy of draft picks. Um, but at the same point, if you wanted to move up, if you fell in love with somebody at the draft, whether it's C.J. Stroud or Will Levis, and you wanted to move up, or even uh, Bryce, um, you may actually have to give up more in a trade to move up from seven to, say, two or three than you would in getting Rodgers. What it hurts you in the back end of Rodgers is that contract. Uh, he's only in year two of that three-year 150 
$150 million deal he signed last year. So, again, it, it depends upon which path they want to take. And then, you know, whichever way they go is going to determine which way they go in the draft, too. So it's very hurry up and wait this offseason, especially because they do have the, the they have a hole at the most important position in team sports. And you got to figure out what how to fill that first before you start filling everything else in. Although they do have some prime, prime skill position players laying in wait. What do you think the bosses want? The guys who are in charge, what what does McDaniels and Ziegler want? I'll put them together. And then what does Mark Davis want at quarterback? Yeah, I, I believe that the Mark Davis would prefer the splash. Um, I, I, you know, obviously plan A all along and a lot of eggs, if not every egg was in that basket for Tom Brady, thinking that he would come along. And, and you know what? I've seen some shocking things covering this team, and I would not be shocked if Brady came out of retirement. I'm not trying to break anything. I'm not trying to prognosticate. I'm just saying I wouldn't be shocked at all if Tom Brady decided – uh, at the end of OTAs, yeah, you know what? Maybe I'll give it a shot. But if that doesn't happen, I, I would like to. I think that Mark Davis would prefer the big splash. Having said that, you know what I'm told is that Ziggler and McDaniel's, you know, they're they're operating not necessarily without a net, but with the full confidence that that they can. Uh, they've got some job security, and they, they they're going to be allowed to see their vision play out. And if you're taking everything that Josh McDaniel said yesterday at the combine to heart and you're believing everything he said, then he wants a young guy that can be here for a long time. And what does that mean? Well, he wants to be along for the ride with him, too. So, again, it just depends upon the time of day. It depends upon what the latest rumor is. And a lot of it's going to depend upon what Aaron Rodgers wants as well, because if he emerged from that darkness retreat and said, you know what, I'm down with the silver and black, I want to go there, I want to reunite with Devontae, then it's just simply up to the Raiders to make it happen, too. We got one more minute here with Paul Gutierrez from ESPN, longtime reporter covering the Raiders from the Bay Area. Paul, uh, I'm not sure if you've seen this new initiative, this 33rd team. It's kind of made up of some old quarterbacks, some um, some veteran reporters, Barry Will, a very respectable staff. Um, they ranked uh, um, there was a ranking. Matt Castle ranked quarterbacks. Derek Carr comes in 15th. He wants 35 million per year. Is he worth it? Your boy. <laughs> My boy, there you go. See, see what you do. See what BJ really will does. Trying to spin the wheel of steel, trying to make controversy there, Steve. Um, is he worth it? I don't it like your tone. Dial it back yeah, a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> pump that back a little bit. Um, it depends upon what the market is. Uh, I, he's right there in the middle. Sure, that, that's that's pretty much where he is. He's probably closer to twelve, thirteen, whatever. But whatever that market is, that's what it is. Look, he was due to make a guaranteed forty million over the next two years. He's betting on himself by becoming a free agent by t- turning down a trade um, because a team that was interested and wanted him to take a take a pay cut. So he's getting, he's betting on himself. Is that what he's worth? Again, right here, right now, probably not. But as the market starts to heat up and you start seeing what quarterbacks get, it may actually be a bargain. Paul, we appreciate it. Thanks for uh, joining us on short notice, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Sounds good. Enjoy a senior night. I remember the uh, senior night I went to was Rebels in Utah State. It was Park's last game, March third, nineteen ninety-two. I can't believe that. I, I have that program. I have that program framed, autographed with an unused ticket. Tommy Shepard disciplined, uh, scolded me for asking for Tark's autograph. You should not have the job you have right now. You should have been kicked out of the business. <laughs> I'm leaving Thomas and Mac right now. It was worth it, right? It was worth it. Thanks, Paul. Bye, guys. There he is, Paul Gutierrez, with uh, memories going back some 30 years. You guys are old. Easy, Turbo.
Let's not forget we just talked about me squatting Mini Coopers. That's a good point. I don't want to toss you down I the was going to ask Paul a question to close out the interview, but I actually now I kind of want it to happen. My question is going to be, how will Derek Carr blend in with the New Jersey and New York media Oof. when he signs with the Jets? Because we've talked a lot about his sensitivity to Poor the kid. Vegas media, and we are little puppies as compared to what New York and New Jersey might do. Five o'clock hours on the way. We'll get you ready for UNLV and Utah State. Talk more about Senior Day.